Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to this week's episode of My Liberty. I am your host, Caleb Franz. This is the voice of liberty for a new generation. Uh, this week we have a fun episode. This week also starts our summer interview series that we'll be having every other week throughout the summer. Uh, and to start off that series, I am thrilled to have Cliff Maloney with us. He's the president of Young Americans for Liberty, and we welcome him to the show. Welcome, Caleb. Cliff. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be here today. I appreciate you you joining the show. This is a uh, this is an interview that I've wanted to have for some time now, and uh, I'm <laughs> glad that we can finally sit down and and discuss a few things. Sure, let's dive in. Um, so, first of all, I want to get um, your background for those who might not know. Um, how did you get involved with politics, and how did you go from where you were to now president of Young Americans for Liberty? Sure, how much time you got? <laughs> <laughs> so, let's start. Uh, I'm in college in 2010, and I find this YouTube video of Ron Paul uh, discussing and teaching the American people about blowback. Uh, many people remember that it was against Rudy Giuliani at the debate, and Giuliani kind of, you know, Giuliani hit back on Ron, and Ron kind of leaned forward and took that moment. And a lot of people thought that was going to drown Ron Paul's campaign, but it actually destroyed Rudy Giuliani, and it really uh, showed a different path for Republicans that doesn't involve uh, being a neocon. And uh, he talked about peace, and he talked about what freedom really looks like, and why people, um, you know, are, are are looking to harm us, and it's not because we're right. free. So that was a big moment for me. That was my eye-opening moment, and I fell into that, uh, what we call the vicious black hole of Ron Paul YouTube <laughs> videos. And so I started to realize that there was more out there than just this two-party system and that certain people believed in uh, ideas, and, and things started to click. And so I uh, applied for an internship with Ron Paul on Capitol Hill, and I got to tell you, back then I had uh, no expectation that I would get it. Um, but was selected and was his uh, summer intern back in 2011, and the rest is history. Uh, I got involved with his 2012 campaign in Pennsylvania. I uh, started a, a Students for Paul chapter, uh, Youth for Paul chapter back then in 2012, and through that I got connected with Young Americans for Liberty. Uh, Ed King was the National Youth Director for Ron's campaign, and I had actually met Jeff Frazee uh, through this process as well, who was my predecessor. Sure. And so I had gotten involved with Youth for Paul when the campaign ended. Uh, I got involved with Young Americans for Liberty. Started a chapter, so I was a chapter president at the University of Pittsburgh Johnstown out in western Pennsylvania, and uh, eventually was promoted to state chair in Pennsylvania. And I gotta tell you that back then, I mean, we really had some cool recruitment tactics that we were just learning about, this thing called Facebook graph search <laughs> and uh, other things that now are, are pretty consistent right. uh, with a lot of organizations, but we really were, I uh, commend Jeff and Ed and the whole team over there, uh, Josh Parrish and the like, for really putting together this idea that you could uh, identify competent leaders or people that were aligned with you uh, and find them specific to certain campuses. So then, uh, something pretty crazy happened. Uh, I was uh, went to school for, for uh, two bachelors. One is math education, the other one is theater arts. Uh, I don't talk about my theater degree too often, <laughs> but the math education, I mean, I always wanted to teach. I think teach. That's, uh, that's something Thomas Massey endorses. So. <laughs> yeah, there's you're, funny, you're right in the right field now. There's some funny uh, Thomas Massey stories about calling out theater majors. Uh -huh. But what had happened was uh, I'd always had a passion to teach kids. I really wanted people to learn, uh, and effective teachers you know, have a really um, just a huge impact on people's lives. And so I uh, wanted to teach, and uh, wanted to teach math. 
And I student taught in Western Pennsylvania, student taught uh, fifth grade, grade school, great teachers. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the reality was it was common core math. Uh, It was a system. I didn't get to create a worksheet. I didn't get to create a test. I couldn't adjust the curriculum for my students. It was all uh, teach to the test, common core, specific curriculum. Then uh, Pitt has this program where they'll send you to New Zealand uh, for the other half of the semester. So I got the student teaching Western PA, and then I went to New Zealand and just was completely different. Um, I showed up, first uh, unit was statistics. I said, great, what's the textbook? And they said, Cliff, you're the teacher. You know, you get to pick. There's no set textbook. You know, you can, you can, you have to create the curriculum. Yeah. That's what makes you the teacher. And everything there was just so specific to the student. And we could adjust things and we could alter things to help the student learn. And it was just, uh, it was almost disappointing to see that and to realize how far we've come in the U.S. Uh, and I, I attribute that to just the idea that you know local government, uh, you know, local school boards should be controlling education. Uh, not some bureaucracy in D.C. that, you know, their incentive is not the student. Their incentive is the bureaucracy. So I know this is a long answer to a short question, but what had happened was after that, I came home. I had a couple months uh, before I was going to take a job in Oregon, and I worked for a campaign in California, Liberty Republican, Igor Berman, and uh, we had tried some of these recruitment tactics to, you know, get kids to turn out, and we ended up with tons and tons of kids about 30 people interning, sleeping at the office. I mean, we really created a culture, and kids were excited about the principles and ideas of liberty. And uh, we didn't end up winning that race. I was in California. I'll let you figure out, you know, how difficult it is to win out there. Sure. But what had happened was uh, people had saw that we were able to have success recruiting on a limited government pro-liberty message. So campaigns were calling and calling and calling, you know, hey, come work for us. But they were all rhinos or these horrible, horrible Republicans that they don't believe in principles. They were just, you know, uh, politicians. Uh, but then Jeff Frazee called me. Jeff Frazee and Ed King gave me a call, and they pretty much said, hey, you know, we want you to come here and teach uh, our, our, our staff what you're doing, and we want you to run the Northeast uh, region for Young Americans for Liberty. And uh, really thought long and hard about it. And at first, you know, I never thought about nonprofit world. I never thought about educating or, or even the political world. And what happened was I kind of had this thought, you know, do I go work for an organization that I greatly believe in? I believe in their mission. I believe in their principles. I believe in, you know, just the success I was seeing of them recruiting kids to this cause. Or do I go teach? And it really ended up not really being a choice because I can yeah. go teach anytime. You know, there's always going to be a need for teachers. But when am I going to have this ability to teach others my recruitment tactics and to go and recruit and really energize the next generation? So 2014, I made the hard decision. I never made it to a classroom after student teaching. (laughs) I went and I was in charge of the Northeast uh, for Young Americans for Liberty. Blessed to get that opportunity. Very grateful to Jeff Frazee and Ed King for bringing me in. And then in 2015, I got a call that would change my life again. And that was Rand Paul asked me to be his national youth director. And so I went over there. I did that for about a year. And with a candidate that averaged about 2% when all was said and done, uh, we were able to start 507 students for RAND chapters. Which is really incredible. We were, I mean, you want to talk about uh, an exciting experience. Uh, You know, obviously Trump sucked a lot of the air uh, out of the room. Uh, but the one thing that came from the race that I'm, I'm very grateful for, and that was that you know young people were excited about Rand's ideas. And so we were able to take that support, and I actually got Rand's blessing to merge all the Students for Rand apparatus with Young Americans for Liberty. And we, of course, had some overlap. A lot of our student leaders were big Rand fans. 
Um, but what happened was it really added some foundational support and took these folks who might have died off or might have just, you know, went campaign to campaign and you build and fall, you build and fall. Yeah. And now there's consistency with YL. So I took over May 16th, 2016. It's been just over a year and it's been the most exciting year of my life so far. Uh, I get to work with some of the most uh, really outstanding uh, exemplary students that I you know, can imagine on college campuses. They're bright. Uh, we've got great leadership, uh, not only just our chapter level, but our state chairs. Some of, the, 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 some of these people are going to be the next congressmen. They're going to be the next governors. They're going to be the next presidents of this country. And we are laser focused on building this youth army uh, through YAL. And I got to tell you, we've got over 900 chapters around the country. We went from 1,100 activism events in 2015 to 1,700 events in 2016. And now we're on track to do probably over 2,000, maybe even 2,500 events. Uh, so people are turning towards these ideas. And I am lucky to be at the top. I'm blessed and fortunate to be here. Um, and I don't really look at it as work. I mean, I work hard, but at the end of the day, uh, when you get to promote the ideas that you believe in and you see people coming to them and you're seeing success, uh, it's a beautiful thing. Um, so that, that really is fascinating because your time in politics has been relatively short. And really, even if you, if you even classify this as politics, because I, I see it more as, as cultural right. um, aspects where obviously campaigns are political and things like that. But um, when it comes to resonating with young people, they look much more at culture than they do at white papers. Right. Um, and that, that's the stuff that kind of resonates with them. So tell me, what do you see as the most effective message at reaching not only young people, but specifically young people, but also just people in general um, at, at understanding how liberty makes their life uh, just better all around? Sure. Well, I gave a speech at uh, the RLC convention a couple weeks ago. And uh, what I was able to tell them is, look, you know, we're really trying to work to take our message to all types of communities. We're looking to take our message in a way that the kid who cares about the Philadelphia Eagles game on Sunday, right? I'm from Philadelphia. You know, a lot of people I grew up with, the most important thing to them was working nine to five, and then on Sunday was the Eagles game. How do you get somebody like that on a college campus to care about taxes, to care about the national debt, to care about civil liberties, to care about bringing the troops home? I mean, it's difficult, and I'll be very honest about that. So what we focus on is taking our message and never watering it down, but simplifying it, breaking down so that we can get people in the door and they can at least show interest. So we've got three different, I like to break it down into three different levels, right? Level one is when you're reaching out to a student and they're at least listening, okay? They might be apathetic. They might you know, not like this two-party system. They might be working 20 hours a week making minimum wage and the government is taking 25% or 30% of every dollar they make, right? People, people can connect with that. And if you can get them on level one where they're at least listening, that gets them in the door. Level two is once they're in the door and you're giving them materials or you're starting to talk about the philosophy or maybe there's an issue they care about, level two is they start to ask questions back, right? Talk about you know being a teacher, when you can get your, your students, if you will, or when you can get people to start asking questions back, that's a huge step. You know, it doesn't just show interest, it shows you know intent to really get involved. And then from there, when they start asking questions back, you start to work them up to level three, which is they're now completely absorbed into what we're talking about. They're really understanding the philosophy. They're understanding people like Murray Rothbard, people like uh, you know Hayek, people like Bastiat. I mean, they're really 
uh, now advocates for the cause. But I think that it's about that level one that we have failed. And I mean failed. So many people uh, that believe in freedom and the principles of liberty, we focus on the level three. We run after people. You know, hey, have you read Rothbard? Have you read Hayek? <laughs> you know, and I make that joke, but it's the truth that so many people, you know, oh, well, you know, you don't know anything because you don't know X, Y, or Z. Yep. We need to figure out how people think. I mean, this is a game that the left, that the establishment, that people have used for years and that we have kind of shunned. But the reality is don't water the message down, but figuring out ways through fun activism projects to actually get students in the door without scaring them uh, too much. Mm -hmm. um, so one of your more popular sayings that you have certainly caught on um, is fill in the blank is greater than winning Facebook arguments. Sure. Uh, what does that mean and why do you say it so much? Right. So uh, about, I want to say it was nine months ago, I'd just taken over YAL and I found this comment thread online. <laughs> and it was, I mean, it was hundreds if not thousands of comments long and it was, you know, two people who were probably liberty friendly arguing against somebody who was very much, you know, for a 90% tax rate, you know, more yeah. of a socialist, if you will. And I, I, just, I just saw this and I just was dumbfounded. I mean, they were, there were comment threads that were I mean, dissertation, they were, they were citing their sources and they were having this argument. <laughs> and it just hit me that, you know, as much as I used to think social media is a place to really uh, talk and to engage, it is. But a lot of people have this misconception that when they're arguing with somebody that they're changing minds. And if you really reflect on what you're doing online, if you really think about what am I doing when I'm having a conversation with somebody online, are you really trying to change their heart? Are you really trying to change their mind? Or are you trying to make yourself look like you're right? And, and I, I fall, I mean, I think everybody falls yeah, prey to this. Too. Everybody at a certain point, I mean, that's really what you're doing. You're not, you're not having a serious conversation. And so I jokingly posted one night and, you know, I said, uh, I think I said knocking doors is greater than winning Facebook arguments. And then I started to realize, you know, there are other things I would post and it started to catch on. But what I was really saying was anything is greater than wasting time on Facebook and wasting time on social media. And I think it's uh, it's something that, you know, we try to really tell our students, and I'm actually glad that we are because a lot of other groups are not. <laughs> and the reality is, you know, get offline. Mm -hmm. um, and, and look, there are plenty of ways online and ways to make a difference. There's a things, time and a place for right, it, things just like, like anything. Things like radio shows, things exactly. like content curation. <laughs> um, People like Julie Borowski, you know, who puts yeah. out some really funny videos that bring people to the ideas of liberty. But there are so many people that through their personal Facebook are just, they think, they actually think that they're making a difference and they're just wasting time. So my, my plea is help a local charity, you yeah. know, knock doors for a candidate, make calls, connect with people in the community, uh, find a ballot initiative, you know, that, that you, you're passionate about. And those things are what really make a difference, and they're really what are going to drive our cause and our ideas. Um, and so that's, that's kind of how this whole mantra of winning Facebook arguments started, um, but I'm glad to see it, it kind of catching on Caught because on I want to people it. to realize uh, it's about taking action. It was a slogan, and it turned into a whole philosophy <laughs> that, <laughs> that everyone uh, is, is now mimicking on, on Facebook. Um, so we just uh just spring just closed people are out of school now throughout uh spring you had a lot of uh yal summits mm -hmm. uh, across the country which i went to one of them uh, it was a great time um some of the best programming i've i've ever seen at a 
at a, uh, at a conference, certainly one of that size. Um, and the theme behind it was make liberty win. Mm-hmm. What is the most effective way to make liberty win? And is it through legislation? Is it through um, activism? Is it through just culture, just talking to people? What do you see is the best way of doing that? Sure. So what I'll say is that I feel as if there are tons of different ways um, to actually be effective and to you know make, if you will say, uh, make liberty win. But the reality is that people don't understand that you know there are a lot of tactics that are they're just not challenging themselves. Um, it's not enough for us to just be right on the ideas. It's not enough for us to just say, okay, well, you know, capitalism is the way forward, and I know that, and so that's enough. So the challenge, I like to say this, you know, how many people here listening to the show have actually uh, converted their their uncle that's always pushing, uh, you know, for Bernie during Thanksgiving dinner? And the reality is everybody's got that uncle, or maybe it's an aunt or a cousin. But what I'm saying is if you can't even get the people you love, if you can't even get the people that are closest to you to really come to the ideas, you should realize how much work it will take to convert people. And so what we offer is, you know, as a nonprofit organization, we're a 501c3. We don't endorse candidates, parties, or specific legislation, but we do endorse ideas. But what I teach a lot of individuals and what we train on is we train people on the tactics in an educational way. We train them on the tactics for campaigns. We train them on the tactics for if they want to run for office. We train them on the tactics of, okay, you want to deal with lobbyists and the public policy process, you better learn it. And my my, my, my point to a lot of people that say, well, I don't want to do campaigns, I just want to do policy, or I just want to do nonprofit work, or I just want to focus on education. Fine. That's absolutely okay. I'm not going to push people away from that. But what you have to understand is you need to know the process. You have to know the arena you're in. You you don't want to walk in on the baseball field and not have a glove. Or you don't want to be an umpire, right? I'm I'm not that great at analogies, but you get what (laughs) I'm saying. You you don't want to be an umpire that doesn't know the rules, and you're trying to fake it till you make it because that's your, your mentality. So I try to tell people... Get training on all aspects. You know, even if like you know you want to do policy, you should learn media because media affects policy. If you don't want to do campaigns but you want to get a policy through, well, guess what? You're going to have to get it through the elected officials. So, I think it's good for people to understand what is effective and what isn't, and to pick their different angle. Um, now, different people, I think, have different skill sets, and they need to make sure they're using those. But what I'll tell you, there was a gentleman named Mike Rothfeld. Uh, who, and I'm not sure he's, he's, I think, said before he's gotten it from Morton Blackwell, but he talks about what motivates politicians, and this strikes a chord with me. He says, look, he says, when I first got into this, and this is me as well, you know, I thought that politicians really just didn't understand the principles. They didn't understand, you know, the Constitution, and if we just sent every politician, (laughs) you know, the the Constitution, we would save the Republic, right? They'd read it, they'd understand the principles, and and we'd be able to do some really cool stuff. It's good in theory. (laughs) Right. And a lot of people, I have to be honest, a lot of people still think that. They still think, well, the politicians, they have beliefs, they're just not ours. And I, I don't think that's true. And Rothfeld pointed this out to me. He was the first one that the first time I heard it, and it really changed my life back at the 2013 Yale National Convention. He said politicians care about three things. They care about elections, re-election, and election to higher office. Now, at first you think, oh, that's cute. But think about it. You know, because some people say they care about power, they care about money, they care about access. All of that is through elections, re-elections, and election to higher office. 
And what he had said to me was, he said, if you can understand this, if you can tap into that, you know, that, that people care about that, he said, it's actually a good thing. Right, and, and he said it pretty clearly, and I do too, that I'm not endorsing the current system. I'm not saying it's great, but there is a system out there, and you need to learn it. And when you ask about the tactics and what's you know what's the message, I think it's about learning um, what motivates people. Because if you know that, and and here's the thing, if you can tap into their ability to get reelected, you know, if you have a large group of people who are showing up at one of their town halls, I mean, you see the left crushing it right now with that. Sure. But if you can have large groups of people, let's say it's a Republican, and now all of a sudden you've got conservatives showing up saying, you know, you didn't vote to audit the Fed. What are you doing? Yep. You know, you didn't, uh, you didn't vote to, to keep the Internet, you know, my privacy or whatever the bill is that's liberty-oriented. You can figure out ways to push people towards the right ideas. Because my reality, and this is, this is again, what Rothfeld taught was there's two options. Either A, you get rid of all the bad guys and replace them with good guys and hope they don't go bad. <laughs> or B, you take everybody that's in and you just push them, push their environment to stay in there to be and they have to endorse the principles we believe in. And to me, the second option is the only option. Mm-hmm. There will be good people, and that's great, and they'll help you with roll call votes and certain things. But the reality is we have got to come together to learn the tactics, to understand what politicians care about, how the process works, and then push them. Push them as hard as we can towards the constitutional principles that we believe in at YL. And that, to me is the only way uh, that we're going to actually make Liberty win, and that's what we push kids to do. Um, so for the longest time, Ron Paul was in Congress, and he was the only person just about who espoused these ideas and right. espoused these, uh, these beliefs um, and actually defended Liberty. Uh, a lot of opposition I hear to libertarians are just the ideas of you know being politically a libertarian um not even through party but just just like rand or massey or amash mm-hmm. um is that it's ineffective um you can't get anything done um what would you say in opposition to that 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 it's it's a waste of time practically that what is a waste of time well like oh, i think the first problem is that a lot of people confuse libertarians with the libertarian party and they're not obviously necessarily one of the same right. uh, very clearly um, though there can be a lot of libertarians in the libertarian party and there are um, that there are also a lot of liberty individuals within the republican party sure. but a lot of people just look at it and say well after all this time you had ron paul for so long and then you had rand and massey and amash but that's it and everything else in the government is just Working against them, it's a waste of time. Right. So what I would say is this. I, I look at political parties as a vehicle. Okay, I believe in a set of principles. About 95% to 99% of people who work in government don't. Okay, yeah. That's just a reality. Um, one of the things I say in a lot of my talks is that there are two types of people in the political, even the political slash philosophical world, and you could argue it's just those two, political and philosophical. The way I break it down is I say there are people that care about ideas and there are people that care about access. Okay? Think of it as, as policy versus politics. Um, people care about access. They care about power. They care about uh, control or they care about uh, you know, telling others what decisions they can make. But then there are people that care about, you know, they truly have beliefs. And I'll give Bernie credit. Bernie truly has some beliefs, mm-hmm. right? It's very different than a lot of other people. I don't think Hillary has any beliefs, right? Right, yeah. So what I like to say is uh, 
you know, the more that we can have people who are in the ideas camp, the more that we can push people to say, hey, get involved in, in something because you believe in a message or a cause and you want to instill that or you want to help people, usually that's the, you know, the, the, the theme or the narrative is you want to help folks. But, you know, that's what the principles of liberty are about. We want to free people. Through free markets, you know, we can create some of the most prosperous societies where the most people have access to quality health care, the most people have access to great jobs, and the most people can live great lives. And it sounds like a slogan. I'm not running for office, but the reality is (laughs) that I think that a lot of people try to make the parties out to be, um, you know, that if you're in this party, you're X, Y, or Z. Uh, I spent time as a Republican. I spent time as an independent. I spent time as a libertarian. Um, yeah. My model is it's a vehicle. The, the political parties are a vehicle for me for the ideas of liberty. And wherever there is an option to advance the principles of liberty, I want to be involved. Now, what I'll tell you personally, this is not YL. This is Cliff Maloney talking. As, as an individual, when I look at races, I look to two things. I look at being principled always first and foremost they've got to be in line with me on the principles of limited government liberty and the constitution and then the second one is um, viability and i think this is where a lot of people don't realize um, we as a liberty movement have finite resources and i'm not saying uh don't work for the lp i'm i'm, I'm almost saying you know if you have 30 people that are running let's say as you know a mix of this party this party or this party you know, we don't, we don't have the amount of, of resources that the establishment has. And so I'm always pushing uh, the liberty coalitions to kind of coalesce. Um, find the next Thomas Massey. Find the next Justin Amash. And work hard to get them elected. And it doesn't always have to be at the federal level. For gosh sakes, let's work to build a bench of legislators. Yeah, I think um, that's the, the biggest thing. At the state level. I mean, you know, this is my biggest problem. I go out to these campaigns and they ask for help or, you know, they, they, they're, they're, they're running – and they're, they're grassroots campaigns. They identify as a grassroots campaign. They're in touch with the reality that they are a grassroots campaign. But then they try to run their campaign like they're established an <laughs> opponent. You know, you don't have $250,000 you can spend on TV. You know, we have to tap into what our message brings. And our message brings an extremely strong grassroots arm, if we market it correctly. People are excited about the cause of liberty. You're not going to find that. You see people knocking doors for Jeb Bush right now? No. But people are still involved with YAL from Rand Paul, from Ron Paul. So once again, a long answer to a short question. But to me, it's finding the vehicle. And whether that's the LP, whether that's the GOP, it's finding a vehicle that actually promotes reducing the size and scope of government and giving it back to the people. Uh, And I think it's pretty straightforward. Uh, But I think that you should really look at viability. Don't waste your time on a race where somebody's going to get 1% and do 10 of those races. Instead, focus on one race where somebody's got a chance to win, Mm -hmm. whether it means a GOP primary for a Republican seat, whether it means an LP in a district that's maybe nonpartisan or something that, you know, shows viability. Find where we can take our resources, put them together, uh, and let's get a microphone to deliver the message. Yeah, and that's like that's something that uh, Stephen Perkins uh, is has been doing through his podcast. Is he's been getting a lot of young people who have run for office or who are elected officials, um, because you don't have to run for president of the United right. States to be able to, to make a difference and be effective about this. In fact, the, probably the most effective thing you can do um, as a young person is run for something uh, like school board or or state rep or something to that effect. Right. Um, so what advice would you give to somebody 
who may be just um, just starting out in the liberty movement um, and who wants to make a difference but isn't quite sure how. Yeah. So get involved with Young Americans for Liberty. <laughs> uh, that's what I've got to say off the bat, whether you're in college, high school, or outside. I mean, we've got different resources and we can connect you. Um, what I would tell people is you need to figure out where successful or uh, battles that are worth your time lie. And so that could be a campaign. That could be a local initiative. Um, it could be getting involved with your local party. Um, it, there, there's, there's so many different things, but the reality is be effective with what you get involved with. Um, and if you come to us, we're going to send you in the right directions. I mean, we've got people we can connect you with. But I just, I just will tell people, don't rework or reinvent the wheel. This is such a problem with people where they think, oh, I'm going to run for governor in my state. Well, hold on. <laughs> you're 20 <laughs> years old. You know what I mean? I mean, we, let's talk through this. I mean, you're going to have to raise $3 million to be viable. Mm-hmm. And most, excuse me, most times... People will raise, you know, a couple thousand dollars. I mean, it's 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 really about not being stupid. I mean, I hate to put it like that, but being smart, work smarter, not harder. We have got to not only outthink, outmaneuver, and outdo the establishment. I mean, we've got to do it times two because we don't have the resources. So my, my big push is get involved with YAL, work to be smart about what you're doing, but find things that are effective. Working and walking doors in your community and talking with 50 to 100 people in a month is more effective than, you know, uh, some of these folks that try to do things where it's just like, you know, you're not going to hand out palm cards. You know, I want to leave a stack of palm cards at the local Starbucks. <laughs> you got to really think about what yeah. makes a difference and uh, figure out the best way to, you know, tackle those things. Um, so what, uh, what book would you recommend to anyone who might not have a full grasp on on ideas like this um, but would want to know more so if they're in the door at least a little bit where they're interested and they're asking me questions I would give them the law so Bastiat's the law Justin Mosh gives it out to to pretty much everyone that comes into his office I think it's a great idea Um, I think that that's fantastic that is though a little, I mean it's a short read, so I think it's good. Other ones I would give them is Ron Paul's The Revolution mm-hmm. uh, or Liberty Defined where he goes over, I think it's 50 issues and you know, that way if somebody has a specific issue they're interested in, they can kind of flip to that page. But I think, uh, and, and this I get in trouble for saying, I don't necessarily think books are the best way to get somebody in the door. Um, I think uh, in today's society there are videos. Um, there are some cool videos you can show people. Learn Liberty puts out some really good. I mean, look, you need to adjust for your audience at all times. Sure. That's just the rules of um, you know society, or you know, for presenting or persuading or trying to influence people. Know who you're talking to. In today's world, the attention spans of what people have to get somebody in the door. I mean, you, you cannot drown them. Once, once again, when they're in the door, sure, you can give them books. I recommend Learn Liberty videos. I've gotten tons of students who have given us feedback that, you know, we show one of the videos at our meeting or at our table, and it's just enough, and it's got credibility, and it breaks things down without watering them down. Huge difference. Uh, Anthony Davies, one of my favorite professors out of Duquesne, he talks about economics. He talks about the national debt in a way. I mean, he's a genius. He is a master at making things simple for people. So to me, I like to start with videos uh, when you have somebody's attention at least a little bit one-on-one, and then once you're interested, moving over to books. Um, so it's very millennial, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so 
you have a conference coming up. Sure. Uh, the uh, the national conference for Young Americans for Liberty. Uh, why don't you preview that for us a little sure. bit and uh, tell us how people can can get to go to it. Right. So our national convention, this is our premier event of the year. It'll be July 26, 27, 28, and 29. It'll be in the Washington, D.C. area, most likely northern Virginia. And uh, in the past, we've had some really cool speakers. Uh, Judge Napolitano, Penn Jillette, Rand Paul, Ron Paul, Amash, Massey, David Bowes. A lot of people that uh, you know are exciting. Uh, Glenn Jacobs. Kane, the wrestler, <laughs> good friend of mine, great guy. Um, so we'll be we'll be making speaker announcements this year, very shortly, uh, and those are those are ongoing, and uh, we're excited about that. But uh, the event is four days for a reason. It's an invite only event. So top student leaders or prospective student leaders. So if somebody's just starting a chapter and they really need the training, so anybody can apply. Uh, it's a video application because we want people there. They're the best uh, potential communicators and really uh, representatives of our cause. And so if they go to yaliberty.org slash convention, they can apply, they can see uh, exactly what's going on. But look, when you leave the convention, you have a clear plan for the entire school year for your chapter. You also, for yourself, I mean, I I, I don't want to say this, but uh, we do need to empower our leaders. It might sound selfish, but the reality is we want people to come in and, and take tools and resources with them. There'll be over 60 sponsoring organizations at the convention. You want to talk about an opportunity that 60 of the greatest free market groups are in the room offering internships, jobs, resources for campus, booklets, literature. I mean, you name it, there's going to be that opportunity there. So that to me is tons of value. The final thing I'll say is that the value in the network, if you go to this event, there's 400 kids there that are the best, most competent, potential leaders in the country. Talk about a network that you now have, a network sure. of 399 other people. You decide to run for state rep, boom, you've got all these people right you there. can reach out to. <laughs> right. And so to me, it's it's about that. And the, and the event is broken down into two structures. I always call it the vegetables and the dessert. The vegetables is the training, how to run campaigns, how to run for office, how to work policy papers, how to deal with lobbyists, how to actually make and be effective, how to be effective on campus, training for your chapter. And a lot of this is politically neutral right? Philosophically neutral. It's just how do you send emails? How do you have recruitment events? How do you host host meetings? Mm -hmm. The dessert is the big name speakers. That's what gets people excited about the event. That's the Ron Paul, the Rand Paul, the Judge Knapps, Amash, Massey. Getting people in the room um, is the dessert. But the idea is you can't lose the vegetables. You can't. And that's, that's a big thing that I struggle with a lot of groups, which is you've got to train on how to be better. You asked me earlier, how do you make Liberty win? Really focus on the training. Train ourselves. Step up to challenge ourselves and say, we can all be better communicators. We can all be better recruiters. We can all be better at representing the message. And so those are the two components, the vegetable dessert, the trainers, um, to really focus on the tactics, but have the speakers there to excite the students. So that'll be a four-day event, and that'll set us up for success for the entire school year because you figure that'll, you know, that's pretty much the planning ground, if you will. And that has been the reason we have seen uh, tremendous success at the organization when it comes to real recruitment, reaching real kids um, throughout the country. And we'll, uh, we'll link that in our, our show notes so that way if anyone would like to apply then they can certainly do that. Uh, Cliff, it has been a real pleasure speaking with you. Um, I thoroughly have enjoyed it. Uh, where can people find you on social media? Sure, so go ahead over on Twitter. We're at YA Liberty and uh, you can find me at Liberty Cliff. Uh, on Facebook we've got a 
meme mastery page on Facebook, uh, Young Americans for Liberty, and uh, the website, yaliberty.org. If you want to get involved, if you want to support the organization, uh, we are building a youth army of Liberty Warriors, and uh, we're out there. Uh, and to be clear, I mean, we're educating, and we're training, and we're mobilizing people to take action. Uh, you can't train without the education, and you can't educate without the training. And uh, we really have that, you know, uh, four components of our mission statement to identify, educate, train, and mobilize because we do think that each of them uh, plays a significant role in our ability to build out um, and to continue to reach the next generation. But, you know, we're, uh, we're excited and I appreciate you having me today. All right. Well, uh, I appreciate you coming on and taking your time to speak with me. Um, for those who don't know, they can follow me at Caleb Franz on Twitter. Follow the show at Liberty on Twitter, and then subscribe to us on iTunes so you'll never miss an episode or an update, and we'll see you next week.